Welcome to another episode of Under the Blanket. And here we are in the here and now, under the blanket of the universe. And we see that all is one. And you know, I'm happy to be doing the show today. I've been struggling lately, and uh, it's great to do the show and have you, the listener, appreciate these conversations, you know. And today's show, we're going to talk about uh, Native American and indigenous uh, spirituality, not just Native American, but, you know, all the indigenous uh, tribes out there that have uh, spiritual wisdom like shamanism and, you know, that sort of thing. And I have today... Uh, guest that's been on the show before, Robert. How's Say it hello, going, Robert? How's it going, brother? Uh, I'm all right. And uh, I'll start us off. So, okay. Uh, my best experiences uh, with Native American spirituality was uh, I was in college my freshman year and I got a whole, I was having my awakening and I started reading these books about. Uh, uh, Native American spirituality and so on. And, and, you know, they talked about this concept of spirit animals, and I really like that. But not in the sense of you go on Facebook and you do a little quiz to find out what your spiritual animal is. <laughs> that, that, you know, that's yeah. not anything like uh, the actual practice. What they did recommend in the book was you go out into the wilderness, not into a park, but into the actual wilderness, and you go alone. And obviously someone that's, I, I just went, I probably wasn't ready for it, but I went anyway. And, uh, and then the animal, a certain animal comes to you and you have some sort of experience uh, and that sort of thing. So I did that. I used to go to this particular park that had a wilderness section where you could hike in the mountains and no one really went out there because of the mountain lions, but I did. And uh, I went alone and I, I liked this one particular peak. And I used to sit there and uh, that sort of thing. So one time after reading that book about spirit animals, I went out and I went to the peak and I got into a deep meditative state. And all of a sudden, all these ravens uh, started circling me. And it was strange. I never had a raven circle me before. And they were circling me for hours. And I felt this connection with them. I felt they were communicating with me. And uh, at a certain point, I put my finger up to the sky and I started like moving it around. And I noticed the ravens, what some of them would correspond with the movements of my finger. Like I was like, it just was really powerful communication. And we felt, I felt so connected to them and that helped me connect to the earth and to the universe, to everything, that state of oneness. It was really wonderful. And as I left, you know, cause I would stay at the hiking in the day. And then I, when I got uh sun, set i would start to leave and by the time and i was walking back to my dorm room and every everywhere i looked there were crow feathers and crow is also in the same family as the raven and they'd be in my path and that was another thing it said in the book which was pretty cool and you know that and i realized uh that that was my spirit animal the crow the raven you know that that family of birds and i've over the years had many experiences with them and other animals you know, so that's a good place to start. Like, uh, Robert, what do you know about or what do you want to talk about as far as yeah, this man. Topic? Uh, the synchronicities between, you know, the raven and the crow for you spirits of animals. Exactly. As you were saying, this isn't something that you go into a park or a controlled environment. You go out 
where nature is flowing as nature should be. And exactly what you said, you meditate and each animal, depending on how it, you know, appears to you can mean different things. And within these spirits and animals themselves, they actually call them medicines. Uh, One thing I've been learning about is called spider medicine. And it's all the wisdom and knowledge that comes from the spider and the spider having so many eyes and the amazing geometry found within the web and just everything about it. And, you know, a spiritual healing practices using these animal spirits and coming within tune with them, as you were saying, moving your finger and watching them or you're sitting on a rock out in the wilderness and this animal just approaches you and comes on your foot. You know, it's almost like nature comes to you when you try to go to nature. And this beautiful synchronicity can give you so many different signs. And when you study which animals do what and what they represent and the possible meanings between them, not saying that every single time it's going to be the same thing. But there are great correlations. One of our admins, Amanda Marino in the Order of Light, she put together a video talking about robins and other birds and what they symbolized. If you see them, what it could possibly mean in your life. And uh, yeah, it's a great practice. And, you know, intersecting with this, you know, we go into the totem poles, you know, and most totem poles represent many of these great animal spirits it's amazing it's almost like a grounding mechanism to be one with nature is to be one with you know animals and many other things that's amazing you know and hearing you talk about this i feel connected with my inner spirit right now i feel that contentment that oneness and, you know, it's interesting because uh, when you said about the animals approaching you, it wasn't just the ravens. I had many experiences, so I might as well tell another one. I was out in the woods. And, uh, you know, in the middle of the woods, like uh, my, where I used to grow up, it used to be, uh, you know, a lot of less development. It was like a woodsy area of my area. And there were these really just woodsy places away from the houses and stuff where you could really get into the wilderness part. And that's nice. And I used to love growing up. I used to love going out in the woods and going through the trails and there used to go, I used to be able to go everywhere through those trails, but all of a sudden everybody started building houses and you know how it is. So, um, I got into this spot where there's a circle of trees and it was like a circle of trees about, uh, six feet away from me. It was a real tight circle. And, uh, I was meditating and I was getting in a nice uh, state, but I started getting lonely and I wish I had people around, you know, so I've always had an issue. I'm a very social being and I like being around people. Uh, But anyway, I was getting hung up on that. So I thought, you know, I'm going to call out to the birds. Maybe they'll hang out with me. So I went, I just said it like this. It's kind of funny. I was like, hey, birds, come hang out with me. Something like (laughs) that. Yeah, And really, all these sparrows, out of nowhere, I don't know where they came from, they came and they landed in these trees. They were so close, and there were so many of them, and they were literally, we hung up for hours, and they were chirping it up, and they were, it's not normal behavior. 
it was very magical. You don't see birds doing that sort of thing. They're always like concerned with their babies or their nests or feeding. Like if a scientist saw that, he would be like, what? That's not normal bird behavior. But I was just in a state, They, the birds and me hanging out, I just, I totally got into a state of total deep bliss and it was so beautiful and I, it was just one of the most magical experiences of my life. I felt kind of like St. Francis probably did all the time. You know, yeah. I always look at St. Francis. He was with able the to wolves, stay, stay the in wolves. that state 24-7, you know. Yep, yep. It's amazing, the great connection. And, you know, sparrows, it's interesting because you were asking for this because you felt alone. So you were essentially asking for strength through company. And uh, sparrows represent strength, and they can also represent, like, uh, not necessarily a new beginning, but, like, uh, you're persistent to look forward to change, you know? It gives you that that sight to move forward through the strength. And although they're little birds, you know, you see a lot of sparrows associated with military and things like that. It's perseverance, perseverance and strength which it seems like those birds gave you that in that time and situation of your life. That's amazing. That's really great. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, as far as like, if someone's interested in first, you know, maybe studying about this before they go out in the wilderness or do something that could possibly not be, be dangerous. So I don't recommend you read first or uh, do be uh, proficient in meditation anyway. So, I recommend the best book I ever read about this was Rolling Thunder, and it was great. It was about this scientist, Doug Boyd, and they were studying yogis, and they were really amazed about how, you know, they were for real. They were, they really, they scanned their brains in the 70s, and they started doing these experiments, and the yogis were amazing, these scientists. But Doug Boyd's interest went from the yogis to the medicine man. He wanted to study them. Uh, and because the yogis were being extensively studied. So he was like, hey, maybe we could study the medicine man. But he couldn't get any, you know, research proposals or anything like that or find the right medicine man. So he decided to just go out on his own. And he heard about this guy, Rolling Thunder. Now, Rolling Thunder was like a, a, a medicine man, but also like a guru type. He had like devotees around him. He had a little, you know, following. Yeah. And uh he was they were hearing all these stories about how he was a mind reader and he would do these miracles and he was very loving and all that kind of guru stuff and he was like i want to see for myself you know so he got able to connect to rolling thunder and the whole book is about all these amazing things that, and the one particular story i like is you know how like you've probably heard of the rain dance you know where they yes. dance in the rains he, mm-hmm. one time he walked up to a field and there were no clouds and he said, I'm going to make it rain or he, something like that. And he just turned over a bug, uh, a beetle, and it turned it on its back and it was squirming around. Then all of a sudden these clouds formed and everybody's sitting out there with their jaws dropped. And they're just like, what? WTF? And all of a sudden it started raining in that area. That's amazing. Like, yeah, That's amazing. He like, yeah, he, was, he would read people's minds and stuff. And it's funny because Rolling Thunder, because of Doug Boyd's book, ended up connecting with the counterculture. He went to the Grateful Dead shows. He tried to develop a, a, a sort of alliance between the counterculture, the hippies, and certain Native American tribes. The Hopis also tried this. 
of course, in the 70s uh, to the late 70s, it all fell apart. But they did try it, you know, because a lot of the hippies were willing to do political actions to help the Native Americans. And they were also willing to uh, learn from them and listen to them like no white people have ever done before. And before you go, Robert, I, there is a Hopi prophecy that said the sons of white men would uh, wear long hair and beads and return. Back and to yeah, the and they would be friends with the native people, with the red I, people. I'm very, very, very familiar with that prophecy. Yes, that's awesome. And that's basically what's going on. You know, as you're saying, we're starting to come to a point in time where our consciousness is shifting. And as a result of that, we're becoming more in tune with oneness, Mother Earth and nature and animals and dimensions and entities and everything else you could think of and along with this people are going to realize that some of the ancient ways actually already knew this and all of everything that's going on right now is a great rediscovery not so much a reawakening i believe it's a great rediscovery of finding out who we are and the native, great native people that we all come from. We all come from some great native tribe or another. And whether we choose to connect to that and try to hear what our ancestors are telling us, or do we choose to completely make our own way and cut that off and just, you know, focus on our lives and what we're doing now? And it's a great battle of what's going on, but I believe that time of when people start going back to this is starting to happen now. It's amazing. Yeah, yeah. I think eventually uh, the wisdom of the indigenous peoples and native peoples will uh, be incorporated into the technology. We'll get away from fossil fuels. We'll be able to have renewable energy. We'll, we'll be like one human family one human tribe of the earth it will sort of have like an earth hive mind of a tribe mind and our technology instead of being damaging to the earth for example i'm talking on a phone right now where the certain minerals in this phone that is used to made are made by slaves and some other place some other way and you know i'm sitting here and i'm a low income person yet i can afford this phone made by slaves all this stuff is very unsustainable for the human species, for all species, and we're destroying the planet. But that doesn't mean, I mean, I've had, I want to tell about this vision I had that made uh, certain that I, inevitably we will have a oneness consciousness with all of our species, the humans. And I was on that same mountain. <laughs> it's always that mountain I go back to in this. But, you know, I went to that mountain peak and uh, I was sitting there and I was on mushrooms and a lot of the native peoples did experiment with certain plants. Uh, medicines yes and, uh, i was on the psilocybin like peyote they have the peyote native american church for example anyway yes. so i was on these mushrooms and it wasn't that much it was like an eighth or something which is not a large dose but it had a huge effect i turned into a green elf and i could see my green skin and i was holding my uh legs and i was saying show me show me show me i really wanted some sort of major revelation and um what happened was I started to see in four directions, which is hard for people to understand, but I had eyes, not just two eyes, but like all these eyes everywhere. And it was just like, 
I was seeing behind me, I was seeing in front of me. And it, it was just this, uh, you know, the capabilities of our consciousness are incredible, you know, and I was starting to see those capabilities, but it wasn't enough. I wanted more. So all of a sudden I go shooting out of my body up the top of my head and I'm floating around of my, of, above my body in my astral body, which is a subtle form of energy. And uh, I looked around and I saw my body sitting there still like, you know, it was still, but I saw it uh, below. And then I, I remembered all my past lives and all that kind of stuff. And, that uh, you know, we aren't our bodies, that they are just costumes uh, that we inhabit for yep. a reason and so on. And then I went into this light. There was a light in the further part of the sky. I went into it. Uh, it was like the light uh, between birth and death and, okay. and death and birth. And I went in there. But after I went into the light, I can't describe it, Robert. I just it was undescribable i can't say it was all light or even it was all one uh that's the closest uh, description to it there was a oneness to it but even that sort of can't describe what it was totally like because there was no light there was no dark there was no something there was no nothing it was just ah you just know? energy energy that's a good way to describe it perhaps and something interesting you 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 keep pointing out this was going on at a mountaintop and, yeah. you know, mountains are very important. When you make a mountain, you know, with your hand, you see that you form a little pyramid. And the tops of these mountains act as a natural conductor of great energy. It's where the sky meets the earth, you know, that first point of contact. That's huge. And they almost act like energy grounding mechanisms. And the fact that you had these experiences when you were meditating or, you know, taking psychedelics, no matter the situation, you're always going to get something out of it. That's amazing. And a lot of these, uh, you know, a lot of these great sites around the world to the native people, you know, these are sites where energy is there. And um, I just recently got back from my trip uh, where I went to Vermont to a town called Bellows Falls. And I was able to see my ancestors' ancient petroglyphs that they carved into rocks. And I was able to see uh, some really special, amazing land in that area. And I was lucky enough to learn more about my ancestry and a little bit more about my people's beliefs and it was phenomenal but at these sites the energy that you're describing you know if i was thinking to myself unfortunately i could only spend an hour or so there but i was thinking if i stayed here for a long amount of time and just meditated i wonder what could happen and what you described is kind of what i imagine it in my head you know that oneness yeah. with everything to the point where it's nothing you know <laughs> right right it is pretty incredible and you know i want everyone to reiterate that these states i've had these experiences without psychedelics that they are not necessary at yes. all in fact meditation is ultimately more powerful and more available because you could do it all the time you don't get a score it's from cheap yep <laughs> yeah you know? anyway so 
Um, I do want to get into that power spot thing because it's funny you mentioned that because I, I I haven't been able to get out in the wilderness for a very long time. And uh, I so I go to the park and I hug trees and that sort of thing. That's how I get my nature fix. But there is this spot right in the center of this little it's a little town. It's called a cover city, but it's really a small town. And it's got this one little corner outside this bar called Leatherheads that's closed down because of covid. And I've been going to this one spot on this corner and I just feel this strange power there and I just love it. And I sit there and I, I sit there and I'll meditate or I'll, you know, hold up a peace sign uh, to the car, passing cars. Or I'll, I'll do some dancing to, uh, you know, some Woodstock or American woman by the guess who. And it's just a great spot. I get a lot of po- mostly positive feedback from the people driving by either a peace sign or a beep. Some people scream out their cars. And and anyway, what it relates to what we're saying is I did have a vision one point, not on psychedelics, but I just had a, you know, a vision of the astral planes of a time many, many, many before there was ever white people here uh, where there was a shaman that had a vision of me in the future doing this dance. And he was doing the dance in the same exact spot. And he saw me and I saw him. And it felt like there was no time, like it's all happening now. That he was, in fact, doing that now, and I was doing that now. And we were connecting from that time in the past to that time in the future. And then it was the now, and it was all just so beautiful. And I understood why I liked that spot after that, you know. And it was just, it's just a great spot. And I like to go there every day now and just connect with that shaman and, uh, do my little dance and it's good exercise also and it's good meditation and the cops barely ever hassle me after all i am a white person so you know i it's nice to use my white privilege for something good and you know um they do hassle me once in a while but they usually just say go home you know and it's just because someone <laughs> calls the cops on me because they're uh, i don't know assholes or whatever but anyway you know it's that power spot yeah people can't handle the love <laughs> maybe that's it i don't know i think they're just like jealous or something I yeah don't like, tell oh, that me guy's so happy i'm gonna get him hassled by the cops you know people will just call the cops just to mess with people it's not necessarily a racial thing yeah. they'll just be like that person's happy they're dancing i'm gonna call the cops on them you know yep so- something's wrong with them how could anyone be happy in the world we live in Right. You know, that's that's their thought. Something's wrong. He needs to go to the hospital. Yeah, but the cops <laughs> never take me to the hospital because they do know me. And yeah. I just do what they say. They just say, you know, go home. And then the okay. next day I do the same thing. You know? Yeah. Yeah. That's all you got to do. And, and it's yeah. lucky I, I know them in this town. So it's always the same ones. that, And they barely it's been in four years of doing this only been hassled three or four times. So. Wow. That ain't bad. And yeah, going back to what you were saying about, you know, finding these places and coming in contact, you know, with these situations. When I was up there, I definitely felt that. And especially like to imagine I could just like you see the whole place inhabited. You know, it was a completely different place. The water level, there was uh, it was right where two rivers met. It was like a main, main meeting area, spiritual burial site, all that, you know, they I just imagine them being all around in that area and having big get togethers and seeing the smoke from the fire, you know, 
and just being to these areas and just like turning off for a little bit it it really helps turn on you know and yeah and uh, that brings a good point because imagination is a powerful method because that our imaginations uh, as you might know are the astral planes are the, called in yoga and the astral planes are are just as real as mm-hmm. the the physical plane they're just another plane of reality there's infinite planes of reality and the astral plane is a very useful one i do recommend people try if they're a, have a gifted imagination imagination guided meditations i recommend ramdas who's the you know the person that it followed the blanket guy which is this podcast is named after and it's a really good one you imagine this light being in your heart and you start like that and it's loving and it's compassionate and it's blissful all that good stuff and then it fills your whole body and you imagine it filling your whole body and then you imagine it filling the earth and then you imagine it filling the universe and then you sort of and then he, he brings you all the way back down into your body again and you inhabit your personality but not identify with it so it's a very good meditation but i only recommend it for people with an active imagination with a skill on it because otherwise it will be very difficult Yep. And to imagine something is to create. It's the same thing. So you're manifesting. You know, you can manifest in your mind without saying anything, you know, and that's what that is. And that's amazing. You know, it's one 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 big tin can. You know, (laughs) (laughs) it really is. And that's what it's all about. And some of these sites, it's just amazing. And um, I, I think places with water and rocks, you know, are they just hold some sort of energy that I believe it's easier for, for example, you and I to leave our impact on that area. And that's why it's so important that we be respectful to Mother Earth and our ancestors, because everything we do does leave an impact on time and space, you know. Exactly. It's not just carbon pollution. It's everything. It's plastic. It's it's how we produce. Like we could grow a lot of things from hemp, but yet we use plastic that pollutes the ocean. And there's a loss of biodiversity. Everybody talks about climate change, which is important to talk about. It's good. It's it's all been proven. It's happening. But there's also things like loss of biodiversity. All these species are dying. You know, It's it's a lot of things. It's like it's worse than even just climate change. There's all kinds of other crap going on. And then the resources is an issue, you know, and all this kind of stuff. So we have to learn from our uh, successful human ancestors. These yes. indigenous tribes, they were, were successful. successful. They lived in harmony. Thousands with each of other them. With the earth, you know. Yep. And no issues. They had plentiful resources. They didn't milk themselves dry. They yeah. knew they knew that if they took a cow, they needed two cows in its place. Yeah. You know what I mean? And it, where we live for that um, access, eat five hamburgers. You know, they, they, <laughs> they had everything put together and they used it. And, uh, you know, it's incredible because they were one with it. And yeah. because they were one with it, they were actually able to use it to its full potential. You know, and that's a good point you brought up because I always appreciated how the Native Americans, they weren't vegetarians. They did eat animals, but they would use every part of the animal. They would they would uh, thank the animal. They'd pray. They'd feel compassion. Yes. They had compassion. To do that. You know, that's the way we should be doing. 
because I see these people I know, and I'm living in South Jersey, a lot of Fisher people, and you know, they're not doing it that way. They just want to kill fish. They just want to kill, 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 kill. They'll waste so much fish, and they'll just, it's not about eating. It's not about anything. They can go buy fish at the store, so that's not what it's about. It's just about they like to kill. And the Native Americans were the opposite. They didn't like to kill. They did it for survival. They did not like to kill. You know? That's my definition. Being from South Jersey, we are a huge hunting community. Yeah. But my, my grandfather, man, he respected these animals more than anything. And he admired and he wouldn't just kill any deer. Like he really and we ate every part of it. You know, a lot of times that's all we had in the freezer. You know, we wouldn't buy too much from the grocery store. But, you know, I mean, for example, when I was young, we had a baby pet deer that we rescued when its mom was hit by a car. And my grandfather took it in and we took care of it. Its eyes weren't open. And my best friend growing up was a deer. The same thing that he hunted. You know, yeah, that, need... that is beautiful. But we are reaching the end of the show. And I yeah. really appreciate you sharing that because, you know, I am a vegetarian, but I do understand that people got to eat what they got to eat. And if you're going to do that kind of stuff to just appreciate the animal spirit, as you said, you know, exactly. That's what it's all about, brother, mother earth and oneness. (laughs) Anyway, so this has been under the blanket with your host, Bobby here, love and Robert Earl white. And we've been talking about the spirit of the mother, the mother earth, the oneness and nature. And I thank you all for listening until next time. Ram Ram, Jay, Neem Crow, Baba Maraji. Be here now.